Well, thanks again for joining us today. We had hoped to be together outside once more for TCC at the park at Almendinger Park today. However, it didn't look like the weather was going to cooperate, so we had to shift things to our live stream. Uh, if you're joining us from your own home uh, via live stream, we're thankful that you've chosen to do so. And if you are joining us together with others at one of our host homes, uh, especially grateful that you've chosen uh, to do that today. I hope that you're encouraged being with others as we uh, both worship and hear God's Word. Uh, we're going to be continuing our sermon series in the book of Psalms this morning. We're looking at what it means to think and feel with God. It's really a sermon series on emotions. Uh, as we have navigated this quarantine and navigated life over these last uh, six months, uh, there's been a lot that's been thrown at us. And uh, anytime you experience a lot, uh, you're sure to have a lot of emotions in the mix. And, and really, as we look at emotions, there, there are two errors that we've said we want to avoid when it comes to emotions. And, and the first is uh, elevating our emotions to be everything and allowing our emotions to guide us. That puts us on a roller coaster that we can't control and that often ends in a train wreck. And then there's another one that seems a little bit more uh, respectable or a little bit safer, and yet it's also an error that we should avoid. And that's dismissing our emotions and living life in such a way where we say, I'm not going to allow life to get at me. And so we kind of numb ourselves and dismiss our emotions and don't do the work of, of really engaging our emotions, which in many ways has unintended consequences that flow from that for ourselves as well as for the relationships that we have in our life. And instead, what we want to do is, is we want to engage our emotions. We, we want to look at the emotions of the heart as a gift that God has given us as well as a, a tool to navigate life. Uh, and, and as a tool, as a gift that God has given us, we want to then engage our emotions well. We want to think and feel with God in a way that He would be honored and in a way that would love others and, and would care well for even ourselves as we navigate our emotions. And uh, really today and, and starting uh, for the next two weeks as we close out this sermon series, we're going to deal with some of the more uh, difficult emotions, some of the problematic emotions, the ones that we really wrestle with. Things like anger, which we'll talk about today, uh, fear, shame, and guilt. Uh, some of the emotions that uh, we often struggle with and can be difficult for us to engage in healthy ways. And so uh, today, as we think about anger, I want to throw out uh, a question to you. Um, if you're like me, uh, I, I presume I might know your answer, but here's the question. Have you ever gotten angry but been unwilling to admit it? Usually it goes like this, and you're in some type of situation and, and the question gets asked, are you, are you okay? Are, are, are you angry? No, no, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm just I'm frustrated. Right? Have you ever, you ever been frustrated? I don't know quite how we dice up frustrated and anger and which one is which, but we, we, we try to, we say, no, 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 I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Uh, or, or maybe you get asked, this is especially, you know, maybe, maybe by your spouse or a family member, uh, even a roommate, they say, you know, are you, are you, are you upset? No, I'm not upset, but if you keep asking me, I'm going to get upset. No, you know, but, but leave me alone, right? Like, no, there's no anger sh being shown at all. You know, just stop asking me. Uh, or, or my favorite, the one perhaps that you got from, from your parents uh, when you made some fateful decision and they said, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not angry at you. I'm just disappointed, right? Like, uh, I'm not, not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, when I think about those scenarios, what, what's interesting to me is I think 
um, we have a hard time admitting our anger. Uh, it's, it's one of those emotions that perhaps is the most difficult to, to really admit. Uh, it shows itself sometimes far before we're willing to admit it. Uh, and, and I think one of the problems we have in admitting our anger is that we see anger so negatively. Um, and I think if we examine our anger and we examine the way that we express our anger, there will be plenty of things that we are embarrassed by. Embarrassed that we got angry over something so small and the way that we expressed our anger uh, didn't um, sit well with ourselves or with others. Uh, and, and so we struggle because we know how bad it can be. And in fact, uh, our hunch in that regard is, is accurate. The Bible's emphasis is upon the sinfulness and the destructiveness of anger. You know, as I, I just look back at my own life, I think about the experiences that I have of anger, and, and I don't know if it's just preaching on emotions, but uh, I, I feel like as I've preached on emotions, it's just kind of been forcing me to navigate my own emotions and deal with my own emotions uh, every week as we talk through these things together. And sometimes we get angry over big things and they turn into to maybe big fights or big situations in our life, but a lot of times it's in the everyday flow of life. There's things that we're angry at and we have to resolve that anger and deal with that anger. And, and a lot of times in my own life, as I look, uh, look at my anger, I, I see more sin and destructiveness than I do uh, something that's good and constructive. And so when we look at the scriptures, we see the sinfulness of anger. Uh, Matthew 5.22, Jesus said, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. We look at anger in interpersonal relationships. Ephesians 4 31, when it's talking about the work of, of the Spirit in the Christian life, it says, Let us put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and clamor along with all malice. Let these things be put away. They're, they're, they're the mark of our life apart from Christ. It's a, a evidence of us not walking in dependence on God when we are walking in anger. And so we see the sinfulness of anger and we know the destructiveness uh, of anger. And yet the Bible also says, as we're going to see in our passage today, uh, it says that we can be angry and not sin. Psalm 4.4 says that as well as in Ephesians 4.26. In the same chapter where Paul says, put away all anger, he says, be angry and do not sin. And so we have this other side of anger that we can be good and angry. And we see this in Jesus. Jesus was good and angry when he went into the temple and he flipped over the money changing tables because the temple was being defiled and turned into a den of robbers rather than a house of prayer for all people. He was righteously angry. We, we also see it when, when Jesus um, uh, interacted with the religious leaders of his day who refused to help someone with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Jesus is angry at their hard hearts and their unwillingness to serve those right in front of them. So we see that anger is sinful and destructive, and yet we see that anger can be good and healthy. And so how are we to think about anger? How should we engage our anger? And so before we look at Psalm 4, which is going to be our passage today, uh, one of the things that we've been trying to do is, is defining our emotions, and, and anger is no different. We, we can say that anger, in a, in a very succinct way, anger says, this matters to me. Your, your anger is revealing 
that you value something. Uh, An author that has been helpful to me and that I've cited many times in this sermon series is Chip Dodd in his book, Voice of the Heart. He says, anger exposes what we value and expresses our willingness to do what's required to reach that value. So it's exposing what we value as well as uh, it's this uh, willingness to, to go after that value. Uh, and that's, that's how we express our anger. And, and so when we think about anger, I think we have to make a distinction. There's the emotion of anger, which we're talking about, uh, that, that clearly can be good um, and healthy. Uh, and yet where, where anger goes wrong is, uh, is when we are angry for the wrong reasons And we express our anger in the wrong ways. So anger becomes sinful. The emotion of anger is there. It's good. And yet uh, it becomes sinful. It goes wrong when we get angry over the wrong reasons and we express our anger in the wrong ways. And we'll navigate what that looks like. But in the positive sense of what anger is doing, uh, I like how Chip Dodd says this when he says that anger helps us in two ways. One, it shows us the presence of passion, but two, it indicates the experience of other feelings. So it shows that you're passionate about something, that that passion may be misplaced or it may be good and healthy, as well as it often anger isn't disconnected. Anger is always associated with other emotions, other feelings. And so um, we'll, we'll navigate that and come back uh, to the way in which anger helps us in those two ways. But uh, having said that, that anger is, is saying that this matters to me, it's revealing what we value and and our willingness to go after it. Uh, There's there's a word for us in Psalm 4. Uh, Psalm chapter 4 is where I want us to turn our attention. And Psalm 4 is really a a personal lament, in many ways similar to some of the other psalms that we've looked at. It's a psalm of David. Uh, We don't have the background as to what's taking place, but Psalm 3 refers to uh, David fleeing from Absalom, his son, who was uh, taking over the kingdom. And uh, and so there could be some of that uh, going on in the background, but uh, we don't have all the details of what's going on, but we, we get this lament to this prayer. Uh, and what's unique about Psalm 4 is it's a prayer that's interrupted with instruction, or, or you could say it's instruction uh, that's bookended uh, by David's prayer. Um, and, and I think that it's in that instruction that we see uh, a word for us that's going to help us engage our anger. I like how one commentator put it. He said, this Psalm, Psalm 4, expresses confidence in God in the midst of trouble to encourage peaceful sleep. It's a psalm at night. Uh, It's a a psalm that David prays at night before he goes to sleep. And you see kind of the conclusion in which he can lay his head down at sleep, uh, lay his head down and sleep with with peace. Uh, And and as we navigate uh, our anger, there's often that that desire to, to, to really be able to resolve our anger before we lay our head down to sleep. In a similar way, we're going to see what it looks like to walk with confidence and trust in God. Uh, so that we can we can be at peace and rest in the Lord. And, and to do that requires that we engage our anger. So let's look at Psalm 4. I'm going to read it and then break down uh, the structure of this passage before we, uh, we give some reflection on how to engage our anger. Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? And how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? 
But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and their wine abounding. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So here in Psalm 4, there's, there's kind of a, a three-part breakdown that we can see. Uh, Psalm uh, 4, verse 1, we see David cries out uh, to God. This is a pattern that we see in the Psalms. They're, they're both the language of the heart, uh, showing the, the emotions before God, as well as the language of prayer, what it means to respond to and engage God in prayer. And that's exactly what David does in verse 1. He cries out to God. He cries out to God on the basis of his integrity. He says, O God of my righteousness. And this isn't some self-righteous, pompous attitude. This is, this is humility saying, God, you know my intent. You know my actions. You're the judge of my righteousness. I cry out to you, God. You know me better than I know myself. And I cry out to you on the basis of your, of your past faithfulness. God, you've been faithful to me in the past. You've given me relief in the past when I was distressed, he says in verse 1. And then he cries out to God on the basis of God's character. He says, be gracious to me, God, because you indeed are gracious. It's a pattern for us as we think about prayer, calling out to God on the basis of his past faithfulness as well as on his unchanging character. So David cries out to God in this distressful this situation. Uh, and, and we're going to see down in verses uh, 6 through 8 his conclusion to this prayer. But in a unique way, he kind of instructs uh, his enemies. He instructs the people of God uh, who, uh, who have come after him within Israel uh, according uh, to God's word. And he, he says, O men, there's this shift. Um, speaking of, of either other rulers or other people of uh, prominent position in Israel, he says, hear what God has to say. He's going to say, turn from, from falsehood. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you slander and attack me? How long will you uh, believe lies? So he says, turn away from falsehood. And, and in, instead, he says, know that God set me as his godly servant apart for himself. You're not only, David saying, attacking him as the king. You're not just attacking me. You're attacking whom God has chosen. And so uh, we, we can't uh, claim uh, the status of a king, but we can claim the status of God's people that we know that God hears us as his children and, uh, and uh, we, can, we can go to him in prayer. So he says, turn from falsehood in there in verses 2 through 3. In um, verse 4, we, we see this, this statement, be angry and do not sin. He says to, the, to his enemies, turn from sinful anger. Be angry and do not sin. Perhaps David is saying, in your anger, don't seek revenge by slandering and attacking God's, God's king. Be angry. Be, voice your complaint, but do not sin in doing so. And then he gives the key to avoiding anger, a sinful anger, that is. He says, ponder in your hearts on your bed and be silent. How do we avoid sinning in our anger? Ponder and be silent. Reflect on your anger. Reflect on God and His character. Reflect on His Word. 
We're going to come back to this and, and break it down even further to, uh, to help us understand how we, can, how we can engage our anger in a healthy way. But that key is right here to, to slow down, to ponder, and to reflect in your anger. And he goes on to say, not only turn from falsehood and turn from sinful anger, but restore relationship with God and with others. Offer right sacrifice. Offer a sacrifice to be made right with God and enjoy the, uh, the sacrifice festival, the feast with others in fellowship. Restore relationships and uh, restore your relationship with God. And in verse 5, the conclusion is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Uh, a sense of, of humility, of, of giving uh, ourselves to the Lord. Trust in Him. That's, that's a key uh, as we navigate life and as we engage our anger to ponder, but also to trust in the Lord, to ponder in our hearts, to engage our anger, but to trust the Lord uh, as we face anger. And then finally, in verses 6 through 8, we see David rejoices and trust in God. He, he says that there are many who are saying, show us some good. Show us something good, O King. And he says, my good is in the Lord. God, let your face shine upon us. The, the, the highest good we could have is that God would be with us, that his presence and that his favor would be on us. And he says, God, you've given me joy that's greater than any circumstance or any possession could give me. A joy in my heart that comes from knowing you. And because of that, I can lie down and sleep in peace at night. What a, what a beautiful thought, right? I don't know if you ever get to the end of your day and unable uh, to rest because of so much on your mind or stressed or working through various things. This ability to lay your head down and rest because you, you trust in the Lord and that your confidence is in Him, that your security is in Him. So Psalm 4 is this personal lament of David uh, that f where he finds himself in a difficult position, but as he prays, he also instructs us uh, in, in how we should live, how we should walk through difficult circumstances. And, and central to that is to turn from sinful anger, as it said in verse 4. And so Psalm 4 raises the question of how we can be angry and not sin. And just as we, we saw in the second half of verse 4, what we need to do is ponder. What we need to do is, is stop and engage our anger. And as you ponder, I want to give you three questions to engage your anger uh, today. Uh, these three questions, I think, will help us uh, to navigate our anger. Remember, we said that, uh, that we have to distinguish between anger and the expression of anger. And really, the, the way that anger goes wrong is when we get angry over the wrong reasons and we express our anger in the wrong ways. So here are three questions that help us to uh, sort through uh, and engage our anger. And the first is this, ask yourself, why am I angry? You know, I, I think sometimes in, in the small things in life, when we get angry over small things, it, it's, it's especially important in those moments to stop and really engage, why am I angry right now? What is it that I'm angry over? It's, a, it's an important question for us because um, too often uh, we, we don't stop and think about why we're angry. We just push full steam ahead on expressing our anger, feeling as if it's justified. And yet, many times we're still not willing to even admit that we're angry. 
And, and so to, to be able to answer why we're angry presumes that we admit that we're angry. Just as I mentioned in the beginning, we have this struggle admitting our anger. But here's the, here's the deal. If you don't admit your anger, your anger will control you. It's like this with all of our emotions. If, if, you don't, if you don't engage your hurt and admit your hurt, you'll be controlled by resentment. If you don't engage and admit your, your sadness, you'll be numb, not willing to grieve properly whatever you've lost. If you don't engage loneliness, you'll be trapped in isolation. If we don't engage anger, we'll be controlled by our anger either in distancing ourselves from others or in lashing out and raging at others. So we have to ask ourselves, why are we angry? And particularly, is my reason for being angry in line with God's Word? I think that's the key question. Is my reason for being angry in line with God's Word? Uh, There's a uh, there's a, a commentator uh, who, who says it this way. He says, Indeed, uh, there's a place for burning with anger at sin and injustice. But our problem is that we burn with in- indignation and anger, not at sin and injustice, but at offense to ourselves. That's, that's often the problem, is that what we get angry over isn't justified uh, because our, angry isn't, our anger isn't uh, responding to the right things. You know, I think when we think about what we should get angry over, yeah, you should get, you should get angry uh, when... Uh, there, it's natural that one would get angry when someone has uh, done something that's caused some offense to you, like lying to you or, or hurting you with their words or their actions, slandering you, betraying you. That would be natural that anger would arise in those moments. It would be natural that you would be angry when someone has hurt uh, someone you love, a family member, a spouse, a child, a friend. It would be angry to, to get mad at a whole host of things that, that are wrong and that fall short uh, of God and His, and His commands and His, uh, His righteousness. We should, we should be mad. We should be angry at human trafficking and, and domestic violence. We should be angry at racism and white supremacy and sexism and misogyny. We should be angry at abortion and, and pornography and violence. And anytime someone were to blaspheme God, these things we should be angry at. Too often we yawn at them, but we should, be, we should rightfully be angry at those things. We should rightfully be angry when we know that, that, we're, uh, that we're, we're walking in disobedience to God's Word or we're seeing the damage um, that's being done by somebody going against God and His Word. Anger also shows passion, that, that uh, our anger is demonstrating a passion for something, a passion for, for God and His Word, a passion uh, for, uh, it could be natural to be angry in a sense, uh, for your family, a passion for your family that motivates you to do something, to, to help or to meet a need. Uh, you could be angry for a just cause, angry for, for the poor that the Scripture calls us to care for, for, for the church. Not Again, I'm saying not angry at, I'm saying angry for, that there's this passion for that's being expressed uh, for these things, for seeing a person come to faith in Christ, for seeing someone uh, discipled or making disciples. There's all kinds of things we should be passionate for, a a true sense of of anger that's saying we value this and we're willing to endure whatever to see that come to pass. That's good and right. 
But the problem is we're often too angry. Uh, we're often only angry at the things that are personal uh, preferences and, and the things that, uh, that don't line up with God's word. We're, we're angry because of someone else's driving. Now, maybe their driving truly is sinful, uh, but often we're angry because of the inconveniences that people cause us. We're, we get angry because we don't get our way. We, we get angry because, really, at the, at the core, we misorder our loves. What I mean by that is we elevate uh, things and we value things over God. We, we elevate something even as simple as a relationship, maybe even in your job, maybe uh, even a hobby or leisure, and we elevate that over God, over how we value God. And when that's threatened, when that thing gets threatened, we lash out in anger. I appreciated, uh, as I was reading, there's an author, Paul Tripp. Uh, he, he gives this principle uh, of biblical acceptability for your anger. He says, think about it this way. <clears throat> the biblical acceptability of your anger depends upon the law which you are angrily defending. He says, how much of your anger last week was a result of you angrily defending the law of God? Were you angered by sin in your life or sin around you? Were you angered by injustice and corruption? Were you angered by Christians being persecuted? Were you angered by the weak being exploited? Sadly, that anger doesn't last very long, and frequently my anger is as a result of me defending another law, the law of me. I get angry when someone changes the channel, when they add something to my schedule, or when they request I give up something to serve them. So which law are you defending, the law of God or the law of me? Why are you angry? It's important for us to ask that because our, our anger goes wrong when we get angry for the wrong reason and when we express it in the wrong way. But I also said the second question that I want you to ask yourself is what is your anger revealing? Not only why are you angry, but what's it revealing in this moment? You may be angry over something that, that isn't justified and yet your anger can be revealing something to you that you need to pay attention to. You see, anger sometimes can be uh, revealing that we need to address some sin in our life. Pride is, the, is really, um, when we get angry, we, we often in pride are unwilling to admit or unwilling to, to deal with whatever underlying issue is at play. I can't tell you how many times I've been in uh, an argument in, in Emily and I's relationship where after I've stepped back from something, I realize my pride that was the obstacle to, to me resolving the conflict after I've gotten angry over something. My selfishness, me looking at things only from my perspective and not from hers. I don't know about you, but as you look at your life, when you think about the times in which you've been angry, is your anger revealing some sin that you need to address? Maybe right now you're walking through something that, that God's revealing some issue in your heart, something that you valued or elevated over God. Maybe it's just for a short time, even a season. I'm not saying your whole life is defined by this, but anything, any moment in which you're elevating something over God is a moment where sin is being revealed that we need to turn from. So our anger may be revealing our sin, but our anger may also be revealing other emotions we need to deal with. You see, I said earlier that anger comes in connection with other emotions. We often get angry because we've been hurt. 
We get angry because we're sad. We, we get angry because we feel some fear, some limitation, or, or we, we get angry because we've been rejected. There's a, we're experiencing loneliness. We get angry uh, over in connection with these other emotions. And, and so anger really is this warning signal that's telling us to look inside and, and really evaluate other emotions that we're dealing with, hurt, fear, sadness, loneliness. And then our anger is giving us an occasion to address those things. See, I, I think the thing in many ways that, that as we talk through emotions, what my prayer is that God, God helps us to, to be willing to do the hard work of engaging our emotions. Because if you don't engage your emotions, what you're doing is, is putting that burden on others to do for you. You're putting it upon them to figure out what's going on in your heart. You're putting it upon them to feel bad for you rather than for you to deal with your, your sadness. You're, you're putting it upon them and, and wounding them by resentment. Or, or, or you're putting it on them when you lash out because there's some fear or some shame that you're not willing to address. When we're not willing to admit our anger and communicate what it's revealing. We're, we're just causing others to pay the price for our, for our emotions. God's made us with these emotions as a gift and as a tool to navigate life. We have to be willing to do the work. And as I said earlier about uh, our, uh, <clears throat> our willingness to admit our anger, we have to also be willing to share what's underneath it. So that, that whole, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. What that means in that moment is I'm unwilling to admit that maybe you hurt me because of what you said, or I'm sad because of what's happened. And instead, what I'm doing is I'm just saying, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not upset. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm just only a little put off. It's not, that, it's not that big of a deal. We have to be willing to, to look at what it's revealing. And then we also could say that our lack of anger in the face of sin or injustice may be revealing our need to align our heart with God. We may need to sync up our hearts with God because we're not getting angry over the right things. We're, we're, we're being indifferent and numb to what's going on around us. Our lack of anger may also be a, a warning signal that we need to realign our hearts with God. So why are you angry? What is your anger revealing? And then third, how are you responding to your anger? You see, anger is an emotion that, that's looking for an action, that's looking for an outlet to do something. Remember, it's expressing your value and your willingness to do whatever's required to achieve that value. And anger becomes sinful not only when we get angry for the wrong reasons, but when we express it in the wrong way. So if your anger is just, if it lines up with God's word, you still have to examine, am I, am I expressing my anger in a way that, that honors God? Am I, uh, am I doing it in a way that, that reflects Him? So we need God's wisdom uh, to express anger in a way that's not sinful, in a way that's constructive, that's helpful. Uh, but if we're angry for the wrong reasons, we need to, to repent, to address the sin in our hearts, to address whatever emotion is there that, that needs to be addressed and so that we don't respond further sinfully in our anger. Too often, though, anger expresses itself. That just out of the gate, it expresses itself in, in rage and hurtful words and actions. I, I think that's what's so hard about pondering your anger is that you really don't get time from the moment you feel angry and from the moment you've responded in anger. Uh, and so this is, this is work sometimes that we need to do after the fact and then restore relationships, but uh, doing, doing so in a way that we can be better prepared in the future as we uh, face circumstances where anger arises in our heart. But rather than admitting our anger and, and trying to work through 
what our anger reveals, we often just we short circuit that whole process by lashing out. And so even though it's, it's hard to stop and ponder, it is possible once you feel anger to really evaluate some things before you respond so that you don't respond sinfully in your anger. And when we go back to verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your bed at night and be silent. What, what Psalm 4 verse 4 is, is really showing us is when you're angry, slow down. I think that's the that's the important word for us to hear about expressing our anger is to slow down. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has hasty, a hasty temper, temper exalts folly. Listen to, here's some wisdom for your anger. Proverbs 15, 18, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 16, 32, Good sense makes, excuse me, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11, you get the sense that this is important to walking with wisdom. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And then the Proverbs of the New Testament, the book of James, James says in verse 19 of chapter 1, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of God, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be slow to anger is what the Bible is telling us. And the reason we must be slow to anger is because it's at the very heart of who God is. You see, when we think about anger, we have to understand that God is himself angry at sin. God is an angry God, Just, justly so. Anger uh, over sin and injustice and unrighteousness. And yet, listen to how God reveals himself, a God who's justly anger, but chooses to reveal himself as one who is slow to anger. When God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6, he gives this paramount description of himself. He says that the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And it's on this basis that Moses would plead with God for the people of Israel in Numbers 14, verses 17 through 19. He said, Lord, you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Therefore, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. The psalmist sing about it in Psalm 86, in Psalm 103, in Psalm 45. God, you are slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and tell the Ninevites to repent because he knew God was slow to anger and gracious and steadfast in love, relenting when anyone would repent. And the prophet Joel would call Israel to repentance in Joel 2.13. He said, Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. See, the Bible envisions slow anger, not no anger, and not a blowing up type of anger, but a slow anger that allows us to identify why we are angry and how we can respond with wisdom. That's what we need. An anger that helps us or in engaging our anger, we need to slow down so that we can identify why we are angry and then how we can respond to our anger with wisdom. 
I, I love this quote from an old church father, John Chrysostom. He said, He that is angry without cause sins. And he that is not angry when there is cause sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. You see, uh, no doubt we can, we can have a blow-up anger that's sinful and we need to address, but sometimes we're, we're avoiding being angry over things that we justly should be angry over. I read that and I thought, man, that's the sad testimony of why we failed to deal with so many sins uh, in our, and the, our, the history of our nation and the history of our churches. Uh, we're, we're navigating this now of, of addressing the, the historic sins of racism and white supremacy. Unreasonable patience when we had reason to be angry and reason to do something. That's just not true on that level, but in our own lives. How often are we unreasonably patient with sin in our lives that we should be angry over? We're not addressing what, what God has given, this tool that He's given us to, to express what we value and to value rightly what He values. How are you expressing your anger? Is your anger moving you uh, to, to respond with wisdom in your anger? And we have to ask ourselves, is my response to anger helping accomplish God's purpose and revealing God's character? Is my response furthering God's purpose? And, and we can know that because in righteous anger, we don't act unrighteously in response, either with words or actions. Righteous anger never seeks personal vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So in our anger, we're never enacting in, in, in personal vengeance, making them pay for what has angered us. In our advocacy for a just cause, we don't lose sight of God's purpose or, or dismiss God's character. In, in keeping uh, our passion for what is good and true, we keep ourselves grounded in God's redemptive purpose so that our, our passion for something doesn't, doesn't morph into our demand for something to be our way. So when we engage our anger, we're asking, does it line up with God's purposes? And, and often, in, in your personal relationships, the anger uh, that you are experiencing is, is often over those preferences, those things that are inconveniences to you, that, that you take the wrong way in a conversation and you get angry and we need to step back and evaluate and then, and then be able to respond with wisdom. We need to assess in our own hearts where we're elevating something to be of too great of importance, where we're judging somebody else too quickly and too harshly, or, or where we're making an assumption where we shouldn't, where, where we are positioning ourselves to lash out and to respond with, with rage and with harsh words and actions when we need to really step back and respond with wisdom, slow to anger. And, and when we think about what it means to be slow to anger, really the key to, to engaging our, our anger in a healthy way, in a way that would honor God, is humility. That's the antidote to anger, is humility. See, humility speaks honestly about what it knows and what it doesn't. So one of the healthiest things you can do when you're uh, responding in anger is to, is to communicate what you're feeling. I'm angry because, but then articulate what you feel like you know and maybe what you don't know. Open the door uh, for the conversation, for the conflict to be resolved. Humility says, it seems to me, and my concern is, rather than you always, or I can't believe you would, 
right? Anger is opening, humility is opening itself up. It seems to me, my concern is, here's my heart. I'm being honest about what I know and what I don't know. Humility asks real questions and then listens to answers rather than just looking for the next way to respond or, or to refute what's being said. I can't tell you how many times I've struggled with this. Just when, when I feel like my perspective isn't being heard or seen, I'm just looking for ways to refute, just to get my point across, say my thing, rather than really listening to what's being said to me and really asking questions, real questions, that get at the heart of why I, I'm angry and what's happened. And then humility assumes that others have good reasons for doing something that's bothered us. How big is that, right? To, to not see it as your way only. And then humility recognizes personal limitations as well as recognizes the possibility of fault in our own part. This is especially true in, in interpersonal relationships. And then ultimately, humility extends grace to offenders. Humility is willing to forgive, to, to resolve whatever offense has, has taken place so that there can be peace. Humility requires, if you could look at it this way, humility requires us to be honest about ourselves, our own limitations, our own weakness, our own sin, and entrust ourselves to Christ. I, I go back to James 1, 19-21. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, listen to how wise this is, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's why we ask, does my anger line up with God's word? Does my anger, uh, does, does the way I'm expressing my anger further the purposes of God? Because if it's of man, if it's my sinful anger, it doesn't uh, produce the righteousness of God. But then look what he does in, in, in verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. See, the, the way in which we can be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger is by receiving God's word. That word which here in James is talking about the sanctification of the believer, that it's able to, to sanctify us, to further uh, us in the salvation that God has accomplished for us. And believer, I, I want to say to you, if you're, if you're not willing to engage your anger and you're uh, both being angry for the wrong reasons and expressing your anger in the wrong way, heed the words of James. Your anger is not producing the righteousness of God. It's not in line with God and His Word. Don't be at odds with God and His Word by refusing to engage your anger in a healthy way. Instead, engage your anger. Ask, why am I angry? What's it revealing? And then, how am I responding to my anger? And does that response further God's purpose? This is part of our sanctification, dealing with our anger. God wants to sanctify us and make us more like Him. But I also uh, want to press home here that when we think about what it means to receive that word which is able to save our souls, to, to walk in humility, the kind of humility that God's word would require of us is not something we can do on our own strength. This isn't a self-help suggestion of, of how to live a better life and get along with people. This is a supernatural work that can only come when we receive what God has done for us. That word which is able to save us and to sanctify us is that word that's, that's about Jesus. 
The one who was fully God and fully man, who came and lived a perfect life of obedience to God the Father, who died on the cross, and that death was in our place, and it was for our sin. The anger of God against sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And Jesus rose from the dead, and anyone who would come to Him in humble repentance, turning from their own way and trusting in Him, can be assured can be assured of this, that God isn't angry with you, but that He opens His arms to you and invites you to come to Himself. If you haven't done that, I, I, I pray that today would be the day that you do, that, that you would recognize your need for God and you would put your trust in Him. And, and if you do that or if you have questions about that, we want to talk with you and we want to put a resource into your hand that can help you grow as a follower of Christ and to, to be settled and sure about your personal relationship with God. And believers, as a church, as we continue to, to work through how to think and feel with God, God's inviting us today to, to really think about engaging our anger. And it's really an invitation to humility, an invitation to, to surrender ourselves again to Him. And so we're going to close our time in worship this morning. Uh, but before we, we sing, I want us to, to stop and pray. And I want to pray and ask God to, to help us to, to do the, the emotional work that we need to do in our hearts so that we can love others and we can reflect God in the way that He's called us to. And then as we, as we sing today, I, I want you to sing with, with your mind full of praise for a God who... who has revealed himself as one who is slow to anger and full of steadfast love and faithfulness. Because it's as we get a bigger view of God that we'll be able to walk with humility and engage our anger in a way that would honor him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Um, God, as we think about how to engage our anger, if we're honest, there's just a lot of times when we get angry over the wrong things and we express our anger in the wrong ways. God, forgive us. Forgive us for, for elevating our own way, our own preferences above you. Forgive us for being prideful and unwilling to admit our anger. God, I pray that you would help us to just even see perhaps where there are wounds and hurt relationships uh, that have been caused because of either our unwillingness to deal with our anger or, or the way we've expressed our anger. That you would just bring about restoration and healing in those relationships. And that, God, you would, you would help us today to, to really have a, a heart of uh, humility that would stop and ponder why we're angry, what that's revealing, as well as, God, give us the wisdom to know how to actually be angry and not sin. God, I pray you would wake us up to things that we should be angry over, and that you would give us a humility to not be angry over things we shouldn't. And in all of this, God, that you would make us a people who are slow to anger, and we're slow to anger because we've received your word. We're, we're depending on you and what your word um, says to us and what you've accomplished for us. A salvation that's ours by grace through faith. And God, for anyone today who hasn't put their trust in you, God, would, would today be the day that they put something like this in their own words? They would say to you, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. God, I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to give my life to you. Save me. My life is yours. Father, I pray that you would, you would draw uh, people to yourself today through the hearing of your word. 
and that you would build us up as your people so we can be angry and not sin. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.